Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Since Easter, we've been exploring what the church looks like as it's recorded for us in an Old Te- or sorry, in a New Testament book called Acts. We've been trying to find inspiration for how the church back then was able to thrive in less favorable times. They faced enormous opposition from the culture and society and even from the religious elite. They faced difficult moments and times. We often read about this emerging community of Jesus followers through our lens, through our Canadian, North American lens, and we fail to recognize that the church was birthed in a season and time when it was extremely difficult to be the people of God. The church would have to find its way forward. It would have to engage the mission of proclaiming the resurrected Jesus, all the while trying to find their way and their footing with the enormous political pressure, cultural opposition, and in their context, serious persecution. The reason why I felt it was necessary to do this series, Church 3.0, is because I see some connection to how we are going to be able to move forward. So we've been talking about this idea of looking back in order to look forward. See, as I look out over the horizon, I see a spiritual, moral, political, and cultural wasteland. And I believe that in order for us to find our way into this new reality, we have to find a way to step into it, being a voice of grace, compassion, love, and hope in a future that seems uncertain. This conviction has been running so deep in me that I have sensed uh, as we turn into this new year that I need to step into these moments with boldness and speak to what I've been seeing and sensing what God has been doing within his church. So today, as I wrap up Church 3.0, I'd like to step into this with one more step of boldness, and I pray that you will receive what I have for you today, what I believe God has laid on my heart, and I don't hide behind that as some sort of spiritual cliche. I've literally just really sensed that God wants me to step into this moment, so I'm gonna ask a number of things of you. I'm gonna ask that you set aside your political views, I'm going to ask you to set aside your social cues. I'm even going to ask you to push a pause on your religious views for the next few moments. But what I'm not going to ask you to do is push a pause on your thinking. Because I want you literally to hold everything up and examine everything that I'm going to say this morning and examine it according to what you believe and see in teaching in the Bible. And so I'm not asking you to park your brain. But I'm asking you to step into this moment with an openness And then after, you can re-engage your political views and social cues and all that, but I hope that you will receive what I have for us today. See, if there's one place where we can actually hold the tension of different beliefs and different ideas, it should be the church. If there's a tension of varied opinions, this should be the environment. The world wants to cancel, wants to dig up your past and and rub your nose in it. Well, I believe that the church should be the one place where we can actually be the church and be respectful and honoring and loving to one another, even if we hold different views. So as I step into this, I'm gonna ask you to do that with me. So for the last five weeks, we've talked about five different words. The word power, the word together, the word generosity, the word healing, serving. And today we're gonna talk about this word built up, or two words, I know, some of you just quickly did the math in your head. Two words built up. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 31 says this. So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Luke, the author of Acts, gives seven uh, progress reports on the church found in this letter, in this book called Acts. He gives seven progress reports, and this is number three. And each and every one of the progress reports, he actually speaks about the depth, the increase, the expansion, and the multiplication of this newly formed group of people. One of the reasons I believe Luke did this was to help them understand and the readers understand that they, were, that they were part of something different. They were not part of a stuffy religious institute, but they were part of a movement that was vibrant and alive and thriving. See, when there's movement in something, there is growth. There's vibrancy. There's excitement. People want to give their lives to a movement, Institutions can be stale, boring, and at times so driven by policies and procedures, it moves at a snail's pace, and it's so incredibly frustrating. The record of this movement had depth. There was multiplication, and Luke wanted to make sure that they fully understood what it meant and what they were part of. This newly formed group of Jesus followers were given this assignment of living as God's people, pointing to a kingdom that was not of this world. See, when you look at the church, when you begin to examine what the church is, you begin to realize that the church was to be present in society through word and deed, that the church was to be the presence of God pointing to a kingdom. See, we must understand that the church is not the kingdom of God. The church is an extension of this kingdom pointing to a king and his name is Jesus. This has been the role of the church ever since the church was birthed. It's the reality of what it means to be God's people, to be God's presence. That's why at times when you read the Bible, it'll say that the church is the holy temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The temple is that, that thing that stands in the gap between heaven and between earth. And it is the presence of God. That's why the, the temple is a representation of the presence of God standing in the gap. The church is standing in the gap as the presence of God. See, what I think we see in these reports is that the emerging community was able to imagine what it was like to be God's people pointing to a truth that is Jesus. They were not trying to protect and defend the truth. They were pointing to a truth and his name was Jesus. I heard this said recently that when we think we own truth, we become defensive and argumentative. But when we're pointing to a truth, whose name is Jesus, we are more likely to be loving, kind, and compassionate. And don't we see that today? We see this today, people fighting over their truth. The argumentative approach, the defensiveness, and the judgmentalness that we see. I'm not sure if judgmentalness is a word, but just go with it. All you teachers will be able to correct me later. But we see this in our culture and our society, people clinging to their truth, defending it with their lives, not the church. The church doesn't own the truth. The church points to the truth. Notice what Luke says in this record of Acts chapter 9, verse 31. He says, they had peace and were being built up. They walked in the fear of the Lord and they had the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The reason they multiplied and increased and expanded was because this collective community of believers had something that the world couldn't offer, peace and comfort. 
And this came out of a life lived in reverent fear and awe of God. So this newly formed group of people were a non-anxious presence in an overwhelmed world. And because they had this peace and this comfort, there was this aspect of being built up within themselves and together as they did life together. Luke describes it as being built up, which means that there was a strength. There was a resiliency in their lives as they moved forward into a culture and a society that was resistant to their message. They were learning what it meant to live engaged in a world without losing their identity as followers of Jesus. In some ways, you could say they lived in the world, but they weren't of the world. Because why? They had a reverent fear for God, and therefore, out of that reverent fear for God, there was peace and there was comfort. See, I believe that the being built up is something that we, the church, not just Vital Point Church, but the global church needs in this present time as we look to the future. There needs to be a collective strength in order to be resilient. We are by no means at a stage of fierce persecution yet in Canada. Sure, we've had some strange moments over the last couple of years, haven't we? Pastors thrown in jail for resisting restrictions and guidelines. And and, uh, I, I personally, I said to our leadership board, I'm not prepared to go to jail in this one. Um, Just so you know. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on yet because we can still preach the gospel, a little bit different format online. We can still disciple people, a little bit different online. And before you think I'm judging those pastors, one of them is my family member. So there, so there, take that. He's married to my cousin. And there's interesting conversations in my family. Yes, there are certain elements of discomfort, I get it. Because our culture and our society is not warm to the message that we hold up. Gordon T. Smith, and I need to apologize to him because I called him Gordon T. Scott last week, if you're watching, (laughs) says in his book, Wisdom from Babylon, that in a post-Christian secular society, the church cannot look to the culture or society to reinforce its religious sensibilities and identity. Secular culture means that religion no longer has a voice at the table. Secularism holds the power of who sits at the table, who can speak at the table, and can discriminate against who, whose voice is allowed at the table by labeling it with some form of ism. Secularism will make religion the enemy by keeping its voice muted. In some ways, we see the Christian church no longer has a prioritized voice in defining or describing what family looks like with marriage, human sexuality, when life starts, when life ends, and how truth is defined because secularism has done a great job of privatizing truth. It goes back to protecting your truth. See that link? I was fired up when I made that link when I was writing it. I said, oh, that, can, that, that works. But here's the thing. This, this might be something that you've not thought about before. As much as all this concerns me, and likely you as well to some degree, I don't expect the world to hold to my values and my understanding of what it means to live as a human being through the lens of the Bible. 
I just don't. As much as I get frustrated of how culture and society, generally speaking, is intolerant to biblical views, I don't expect them to align with me. Quite frankly, I don't care if they say happy holidays or Merry Christmas. It doesn't matter to me. Don't get all fired up. Oh, yeah, happy holidays. Well, who cares? See, I see this as an incredible opportunity to find a new way forward into a confusing, chaotic world. Again, Gordon T. Smith, in his book, Wisdom from Babylon, and yes, it's a book I've been reading lately, in case you're wondering, says this, the real difference a congregation or church makes is not determined by its size, but whether the people of God are equipped and empowered to be salt and light in the world. See, when I think about Church 3.0, what I see is our ability to capture the imagination of a collective group of people, the church, and to imagine what it looks like to live our faith out from Monday through Saturday, built up and strong as salt and light. So what does this mean? How does this work? So I'm gonna give you, is it already almost, yeah, okay. I'm just looking at the clock. We'll be done by lunch. Um, I'm gonna give you 3D image of what it means to capture the imagination again and to be built up, okay? Dynamic gatherings, deep formation, and diversity in mission. So let's talk about this. Dynamic gatherings, experiencing the presence of God. When I was growing up, when I went to church, we learned a lot about the Bible. We actually had these things called flannel graph, which kids are being robbed of these days. (laughs) Noah and the flood, stuck to a board, one-dimensional, right? David fighting Goliath. Some of you are feeling me, right? Daniel and Lionson. You can't get any better than Daniel and Lionson on a flannel graph. It's just amazing, right? I, I went to youth group growing up as a kid, unlike Chloe's environment, which she's growing up in, and other students. I, I, we, in order to play games, we had to memorize the Bible. I'm still recovering. When I look back at the church, we learned a lot about the Bible, about Jesus. It was a good church. But I don't ever recall being taught that we could go to church to encounter Jesus, the living hope. See, when I consider gatherings, both Sunday morning as we gather like this, or weekly in our connect group gatherings, I believe it's possible for us in the dynamic gathering to show up with the possibility of encountering the risen Jesus. That as we step into these gatherings, that we're not coming just to fill an hour and go to church. We're coming with the anticipation, the expectation that we are going to meet him. See, traditionally, we use music and teaching like you've been experiencing this morning. And if you're new to church and this music is a little bit weird, just embrace it and go with it. But what we've been realizing is that there's a critical piece of coming into a space like this where we don't just show up and do our thing, but we show up anticipating that we're going to encounter God by his Holy Spirit where Jesus will become real. The transcendent community of God's people is to experience his realm and his reality as we gather. It's the anticipation of meeting him. Colossians chapter three, verses one through three. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, dynamic gatherings, both large and small, elevates our view. He says, seek the things above. Set your minds on the things above. Why? Because the things that you set your mind and your eyes on shape you. One of the greatest challenges of the church 
in moving forward is to capture our imagination as to what it means to live into the reality of walking with Jesus, to capture our imagination and the awe and the wonder so that we're not lured away by the world. The world is trying to capture your imagination. If you don't believe me, just watch a Lotto 649 commercial. Imagine the freedom. And they show you a castle on an island that you can own one day. And people rush out to buy these tickets because they're capturing their imagination. See, Church 3.0 is the ability to meet God in, in our gatherings, the freedom to express and embrace the mystery of God. Now, let me be super clear. Some of you have been around for a while and some of you are new, but those of you who've been around for a while are asking this question probably, does this mean, Ron, that we no longer bring our neighbors and bring our unchurched friends to this environment because our focus was for so long on that? And I would say, yes, we continue to do that. But here's what I want you to hear about church 3.0 in the future is that we're no longer trying to entertain people into God's love. We want them to encounter his love as we gather Because sometimes you have to watch somebody love something so much before you get it yourself. As a collective community of VPC seeks and sets our minds on things above, we allow ourselves to be in the, in the presence of God and the supernatural working of God. It's the dynamic gatherings of experiencing the power of love. And no, that's not a Huey Lewis song. It's just the power of love, okay? <laughs> dynamic gatherings. Second one is this. Deep formation of faith by doing life together. You rolled your eyes probably and said, oh, Ron, you've talked about this a million times. Yep, and I'm gonna keep talking about it. Being built up means that connecting in faith relationships will no longer be an option. It will be a necessity. It means that we're gonna prioritize our faith formations through biblical wisdom and instruction within relationships. See, deep formation of faith happens in authentic community where we learn to be accountable to each other in the formation of what it means to walk with Jesus. This is what I love about this church. We have people of all stages of understanding of what it means to live out some of these formed faith dynamics in the truth of the Bible. We don't assume that you know or get the Bible we don't assume that, but we teach and create an environment where you're thirsty for more, you desire for more, and where we believe the more happens is in the value of doing life together. If we're going to be VPC built up, we must begin to understand that we cannot do this simply for an hour on Sunday. We must be in the process of faith as, some, as something we do over a learned time together in community. You cannot do this in isolation. You just simply can't. We've been talking a lot about this through the series and as a life as a believer is this decision that you make to follow Jesus. And then you might get baptized. We're gonna talk about that next week in our next series. We're gonna talk about baptism and what that means. And we got baptism at the end of the month. And, and, and we're talking about what does it mean to be deeply formed in community. But here's how it's gonna happen. It comes when we're willing to step into these moments and practice community. Okay, stay with me on this. Practice community. It's where we begin to practice what it means to be open with one another about our doubts and our questions. It's a willingness to practice confessing our sin to one another. 
It's a willingness to practice allowing others to carry our burdens, to pray for each other, to meet each other's needs. It's a place where we practice how we forgive one another and love each other so deeply as we are Jesus to each other. That there are times that, yes, when you're practicing community, it will work. And man, does it feel good when it works. But when it doesn't, it gets weird. And we're tempted to rush back to our solo faith. And I tried it. I dipped my toe in, but I got hurt a little bit. Okay, that's why we call it practicing community. But here's the other aspect of it. From an authentic accountability perspective, it's this. Within a faith formation of these relationships, it means this. That we submit to one another in the authority of community. Okay? This is the green light that we share with one another that we say, in the grounds of trust, I'm giving you permission to speak into my life. Now, let me be clear. It's a ground of trust. Just don't go walking up to somebody you don't know and start telling them truth down in the atrium after the service. It doesn't work like that. But it's the mutual submission of authority in community. Look at this verse, Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing one another cannot be done in isolation. It's the nourishment of the richness of Jesus' words that fills our lives, that begins to give us the hope to speak into these spaces, to teach and to warn. See, the world wants to fight against you and to cancel you for your mistakes. The church is deeply formed in a place of trust, giving each other permission so that we can have our relationship with Jesus formed in us. Not from a place of judgment or shame or guilt when someone stumbles or falls. It is a place where we lift each other up, where truth and grace are embraced. Truth and grace are like the peanut butter and jam of faith. You you just go together, right? Being built up in deeply formed life of faith is a prioritizing of the one another factor. And to be quite frank, I don't think there's any Franks in here, so hopefully, forget it. Um, To be quite frank, protecting my truth has crept into the church and is robbing the church of authentic, accountable, submissive authority to one another. Because who are you to tell me Right? This expressive individualism has crept into the church. And when we try to speak into each other's lives, we go, don't judge me. Or this place isn't safe anymore. No. This is a place where we step in with truth and grace and find ways to navigate the complexity of the wasteland that is in front of us. I don't believe that for one second that relationship within church is going to be an option for the future it's going to be a necessity and if you look at your calendar and you say to me ron i'm too busy then you better take a look at your calendar and readjust it the last one is this diversity of in the mission of engaging the world with the good news of jesus hang on for a second there are a lot of christians that are out there to win the right back to have their religious voice heard at the table. And some have chosen to fight their way back to the table. And I want to propose that there's maybe a more God-honoring way to do it, to be that voice of hope in the mission of proclaiming the resurrected Jesus. 
And it's the posture that Jesus took, where he engaged the world around him through time and space with people. Time for those who were hurting and time and space for those who needed their hearts and minds mended. Yes, we are people that are called to gather, but we're also instructed to be aware of the needs of those around us and to posture ourselves with humility and understanding and at times to step into the space with curiosity and an ability to listen. I illustrate it with this story. A number of years ago, I was pastoring at a different church and a young teenage girl came down after the service to speak to me. She was in her 15, 16, and she was pregnant. And she was informing me, and her mom was with her, that she was having an abortion. We spent a few minutes sitting on the edge of the stage. I asked questions, I listened, and I just prayed with her. I watched her and her mom walk out of the building. I never knew what happened after that moment. Jump forward 12 years. I was now pastoring Vital Point Church. We were meeting in the high school in North London. This young girl, now a young woman, with her mom, came bouncing up to me to introduce me to her 12-year-old son. She wanted me to meet him, and she was so happy. See, I share this story with you because as a Christian community, I, need, I think we need to ask better questions, take more time to listen, and spend time praying. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that we sing about who's got power to do these things in our lives. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit can use more of someone who sits in a moment and asks questions and shows kindness and praise than someone who gets angry and fights for their way back to the table, demanding a seat. I want to tell you that ship has sailed. I think of a young teenager wrestling with their sexual identity, wrestling with being gay or trans or bi. I think of how we can sit in those moments with compassion and grace and listen so that these young teenagers don't take their lives. Tired of it. Yes, it will be messy. Yes, it will be difficult. Yes, you'll be tempted to fight for right and wrong in those moments. Sure, absolutely. But my hope is is that we emerge out of this season into a new season with a posture of time and space like Jesus did. It's about learning new ways of mission, of pointing people to a hope. Colossians 4 says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech be always what? Gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Make the best of this time. Be creative. Be on mission. You may look at your life and you might go, I don't know how I can step forward in this time, but great thing is you don't have to rely upon yourself. You can live a questionable life so that people will ask you what's different about you. I go to Jeremiah chapter 29 and this will land. Jeremiah 29, God speaks to his people who are in exile. They're in Babylon. They're not in their home, they're displaced. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, God says to his people, you're gonna be here for 70 more years. Build houses, plant gardens, have kids, multiply here. 
Seek the welfare of the city because in it you will find your welfare. With this comes a place of understanding that we can't run and hide in exile. Stand in the moment anchored to a living hope so that the world can see. It's about learning to find our way through the wasteland of secularism so that we can speak of a hope and a truth that can heal the broken, mend the minds and hearts of those lives of people who have not yet encountered Jesus. This is not the time to get angry. It is not the time to play the victim. It is not the time to hide in our Christian bubbles. It is time to listen and pray and trust. Even though the world is going to hell in a handbasket, we, the church, can earn the right to speak It's being built up with a diversity of mission. Church 3.0 will be about a dynamic gathering, a deep formation of faith, and a diversity of mission. The impact of VPC is no longer going to be gauged primarily by amount of butts and seats, although it's much more funner when the room is full. Funner? failed grade nine did grade nine twice so funner is just my that's just goes back to that it would not be primarily about butts and seats or how many sites we have but by the ability to equip people to engage the world monday through saturday as the extension of god's kingdom which means at times we need to be bold at times it will be tough This past two years has been an absolute gift to the church globally. We've been able to retreat, to regroup, and to find a boldness to be a resilient community of people to step forward into the new future. We look back to look forward. Let's go be the church and start helping people walk out of darkness into the light of Jesus. It's time to be brave. As the pages of Acts have turned, we've learned to see the Holy Spirit's burn within the hearts of men and women who have given their lives over to him. Taking what is natural, the actual factual features of life and fashioning something supernatural. We've witnessed the marvelous, miraculous, scandalous extravagance that's given us when his spirit has given full reign in us. But, Will we raise our expectations to expect his interventions in all the conventions of life? Will we leave the warmth of comfort's cave, squint our eyes to the sunshine, choose to trust and be brave? Jesus said, I told you in this world you would have trouble. He never promised you a protective bubble insulating you. That's insulting to the mission that he's called you to. For he's called us to those at the center of heartbreak to stand in there for his sake, all to make his name known. Don't you see? That's where he'd be. I know you know that that's where he'd go and he does go there when you dare to go there in his power. So be brave. But here, the bravery isn't the absence of fear. No, it's marching headlong into the battle knowing that the victor is near. Nay, nearer than near. He's here and he hears when you pray. So be brave. When your back's up against the wall and the enemy is using any and all devices to drag you down to the grave, well then, my friend, be brave. When the waves of the storm are crashing over the bow and you can't see the way, why, or how of how you give more than you already gave, turn your chin to the wind and within him be brave. When the 
tears fall and you can't hear the sweet call of the one who saves, please be brave. And when the going is good and you know that you could push just a bit harder to seek and to save, I beg you, please won't you, you have to be brave. For why should we sit back hemming and hawing, stopping and stalling No excuse can excuse this self-disqualification from God's kingdom making. For by his spirit, we are to be staking a claim. For by his spirit, we are to be staking a claim. For those stories and acts, the ones we've admired, they're not merely facts. They are meant to inspire. And deep down inside, each of us crave a calling, a mission, a chance to be brave. We were made for adventure and to indenture ourselves to God's grace, venturing out of the fortress to seek new territories, to write new stories, because the stories and acts, they're still being written. His pen is still gliding across the page as we rescue those who have been bitten by original sin's unforgiving wage. So let's raise a chorus and cry, God, please hear it, as together we call out for more of your spirit to complete the task of your kingdom come, to see the spread of your will be done. For even now, as we lift our praise, we will fight back the darkness. We will stand and be brave. Let's stand. I said to the team uh, before the service, I, I wasn't sure how to end today. Um, I, I don't, because I, I don't feel like we're ending. I feel like we're just starting. And I recognize that maybe some things that I said today, you do need to examine. I get it. You may not even agree with what I've said. That's okay. Um, but my hope is, is that we as a church, and if you're new today and you're trying to figure out if, like, should I be part of Vital Point or should I come back or not, we're going to do the work to try to figure out what it means to move forward. And there's going to be times where we get it right and times where we get it wrong. But here's the thing. I want to be brave. I don't want to curl up into the fetal position and play the victim and look at the world and go, oh, it's all against me. No, I don't. I just want to find a way forward together as a community, trusting that God is doing a work beyond what we could ever see or imagine. We came into this season, this year, 2022, saying, God, abundantly more. We want abundantly more. And and not in material things. It is in the life change and the transformations and the stories of hope and healing and forgiveness. Because I believe, like what was just said, that the story continues. It doesn't just happen in Acts. It happens now. I can tell you story after story after story of people that have found hope and healing and breakthroughs because of their trust in Jesus Christ. And so, I invite you into this. Will you be brave? Will you be courageous? Will we together find a new way forward, even at times when we disagree? But wouldn't it be amazing to hold the tension of disagreement with an open hand in grace and truth and love and show the world what it means to be the church together? Unbelievable opportunity. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your church and yes there are times where it has 
horrific blemishes and moments in history where we just shake our heads, but we recognize that in those moments they were not representing Jesus. And God, I pray that you would help us as a church, Vital Point Church, as we step into this new future, whatever it is, that we would continue to step and walk in obedience with courage and boldness and bravery, trusting you, that you are doing a work, that you have not stopped doing your work, that you continue to do your work, and we just wanna walk with you. We don't wanna go unless you go. So God, we as a church, we confess those moments when we've backed away, confess the moments when we've played it too safe, and we wanna step with boldness and courage in your spirit God I thank you for this community and their willingness to take these steps forward and so we give you the praise and the glory as you continue to work and move in Jesus name Amen invite you back next week a brand new series called The Big Why hope you'll be here for it we'll see you next week